Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. And I'm J.J. Peterson, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Tim Schur. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We have brought our producer. He's actually COO of the company and podcast producer. Yeah, he's kind of my boss. Talk about wearing many hats. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about a book called Entrepreneurial You. And as we started talking in the kind of the pre-show, let's figure out where we're going with this thing. We started talking about, hey, if you had to start a business, what you know, would you do? and you and I have already talked about it on the air, yeah. but then we actually came up with this incredible business plan for Tim, yeah. which we can't let him do because no. we can't lose <laughs> no, Tim. No. We start talking about it, and then like, Tim, you could do this, and you could do this, and then it's like, but that would require yeah, we started, But that would be really miserable. And he got a little too excited <laughs> about our plan for him. <laughs> true, true. But this is an episode which would cause you to start imagining yeah. what else you could do. And specifically, Dory Clark in her book, she talks about... Basically, you know things other people don't know. Yeah. And you're probably an expert at something that people would pay for. Yep. And so the game is that we're playing, and you play at home. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think you could charge for? Yeah. Like, what do you know that people need in order to make money themselves or be happier themselves or whatever it is that you could actually charge a consulting fee for? Yeah. And with Tim, he does a lot. I mean, yeah. Tim is COO of the company, so he's making sure everybody is getting the ball into the end zone in a number of probably 10 different projects that he's working on at one time, or at least supervising at one time. But I would think, you know, I told Tim where the market is right now, he could leave StoryBrand. Please don't. (laughs) We're we're a growing company. There's huge potential for you here. (laughs) But he could could leave (laughs) StoryBrand, and he could help people start a podcast. Like if you had 10 clients... You charge them each a thousand bucks a month, yeah. And literally, like, here's the microphones you need. Here's the software you need. You're gonna need a producer. You're gonna need this. Get an iTunes. He's at one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. He's only got shh, ten shh, clients. Shh, shh, shh. I'm just telling you, Tim. But that would be horrible, right? You would yeah, hate no, that. No, 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 no. I think no. he loves us so much he wouldn't leave. Is that delusional? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's from, wait, oh, Tim. Where'd he go? <laughs> oh. Don, that's cute. That's cute. That I'm buying my that. domain. Yeah, I already bought wait, my. Tim, is that something domain. you would enjoy doing? Um, I mean, one thing that I do like about what my role is here is I have the ability to go tackle a brand new thing. So the podcast, we had talked about it for a really long time and we just figure out how to do it. You're getting ready to hand it over, right? Yeah, absolutely. You figured it out. You build something up to what it is. You have to go figure out every single aspect of it. And then at a certain point, you have the ability to hand it off to somebody else. So while I would enjoy doing that for a season, I for that to become my full-time job is not something I'd want to do. What would you? I'm grateful for that. <laughs> well, I mean, what would if Plus, you did you know that helping people with podcasts, actually podcast consulting yeah. is one of the most dangerous jobs in terms of risks? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's up there with like uh skydiving. construction working, yep. skydiving, bullfighting. Yeah. yeah like they have whole documentaries about yeah. Yeah, so you can't do that. So since you can't do that, <laughs> let's say this. Okay, you don't want to do podcasting. So the rapture happens and all mm-hmm. us good people are gone and you're <laughs> left Right. You're still here. You're clearly, clearly, your wife is definitely yes, gone. Your wife is gone for sure. <laughs> Katie is the best of us all. And so you're left behind with a few other people and the world continues to go. What would you do? What expertise would you turn into 
a job. I'm becoming a story brand guide is what I'm doing. Because <laughs> they're making Do you guys bank. know about what's happening with these guides? <laughs> ben Orlip makes twenty five to thirty thousand dollars a month as a guide. Do I, I am, say that? Ben's uh, really good. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I also believe Hopefully in my Ben's ability. Hopefully Ben's okay with us saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Wes Gay's making money. Mary yes, Kay's making yeah. money. These my people bro- are yeah. consulting businesses to help them with their marketing. And it's like, okay, so strategize everything <laughs> that you want to do. Uh-huh. I would build my own agency. And yeah. so take the beautiful thing that you guys have done an amazing job creating. <laughs> and I'm just going to make he so does. much money being I, a guy. I, I love that <laughs> idea, except I don't know if you've heard, but most of our certified guides have been injured by... By various paper cuts. Yeah, it's by it's, it's very rough. very dangerous work, Tim. For people named Tim, everybody else should not. Everybody else is fine. Yeah, you we're can trying sign to up. sell yeah. the guide program yeah. and then trying well, to. Well, what's funny it. is we actually weren't really trying to. That wasn't an ad. That really I'm just Tim's, being honest. That's legitimately like really what legitimate. I would do. They have started their not, own businesses yeah. and they're doing really well. So yeah, Tim can't. No, actually, we're done with this game. This is making me too sad. I don't want Tim to. I don't want to like dream up ways for Tim to leave. You guys are safe. We're yeah. fine. Everything's great. One thing you get, you get a beautiful team. Just a beautiful team, mm-hmm. Tim. Yeah. I don't want to be by myself. You there you go. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is that, the best part is working with the team, working with everybody. Uh-huh. That's what we're doing. I know. You'd uh-huh. almost volunteer. Yeah. I I would not be able to return. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, really, I mean, you'd take a pay cut yeah, to stay exactly. here. That's <laughs> a, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Worth it. Worth it. Uh, I heard it. I heard, I heard it, it too. <laughs> we can take that to court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, today's episode really is about dreaming. What would you do? What would people pay you to do? What are you an expert at? I guarantee almost everybody listening to this, you got something. I mean, if you're 35, you've lived enough probably not to be the world's best expert at something, but probably to know more about something than most people and to be able to help them figure it out. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, she's got to be in her mid-20s, she started a really successful business just doing personal training. You know, so she's getting up at five thirty and helping people, you know, work out and stuff, and she's yeah. doing great. She's mid twenties, yeah, and now she doesn't have a boss. She's the boss. Well, yeah. her clients are kind of the boss, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. But still, so a long time ago, I talked about how I actually did improv comedy for a while, yeah. And the group asked me to join them. They said, "Would you mind?" coming and be part of this team and touring the country with us. And I was really hesitant because I actually wasn't sure I could do it. Like I wasn't sure I could do comedy because I'd never done comedy professionally. And so I wasn't sure I could do it. And I went to a banquet for where I was working currently and they brought in a comedy group. And I watched that comedy group on stage and halfway through I went, I can do this because they were so horrible. (laughs) Now here's what's funny is years later, I end up seeing that person. I'm with this person at the Sundance Film Festival. And we end up in a car together. We're driving around and I'm talking to him and I figure out that how I know him is from this comedy group. And I told him, I said, hey, you inspired me to get into comedy. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to. You were so amazing. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I did say you, you were inspired true. in comedy. But I think there's a lot of us who have these things that we've been told we're good at or we've really kind of honed through right. different things, storytelling or consulting or book writing or something that we've honed. You've created a blog and it started to grow yep. a little bit. Or you even released some YouTube videos that have gotten some traction. And we have this voice in the back of our head that is like, I can't do this. I mean, who does this? Who makes a living as a comedian? Or who makes a living as a writer? And, or I'm not that good. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, and that much. Dory actually gives really practical steps of how to start building that and moving forward. Yeah. 
Well, even if you don't want to quit your job and do it, you know, we interviewed Chris Gillibo with his new book, uh, Side Hustle. Side Hustle. Yeah. Maybe a side consulting gig or yeah. something. I don't know. I just think there's some exciting opportunities for a lot of our listeners. Yeah. Maybe like a little side cash. Maybe leave the job that's making you miserable. You're probably a more of an expert at something than you know. And it's probably worth something. And she even gets into, you're charging too little. You yeah. need to charge more for it. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Those sort of practical tips. Not you, Tim. Not you. <laughs> no, not no, Tim. No. Not you. Yeah. <laughs> this is for everyone but me. Yeah, everybody but Tim. <laughs> In fact, burn this book when we're yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. The book is called Entrepreneurial You. It's Dory Clark. Here's my conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Dory, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And congrats on your new book, Entrepreneurial You by Dory Clark. It's a beautiful cover, by the way. <laughs> thank you. It is really lovely. Harvard Business Review Press, my publisher, did a terrific yeah, job. That's awesome. And basically, if anybody wants to start a business, if you're tired of working in the cubicle or you just, you've got this idea, you want to get it going, this is soup to nuts, A to Z, how to get going in your own business. Is that right? It really is. I interviewed for the book about 50 plus six, seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs who are really just crushing it in their business. And what I tried to do with Entrepreneurial You is break down in very concrete and tangible ways what the income streams are that the most successful entrepreneurs are using today and really go into detail about how people can determine if they're right for them, how to get started, and what they can actually reasonably expect in terms of being able to bring in money from it. I love it. It's not just an inspirational book like a lot of books like this. It's extremely practical, step-by-step. Step. First, you need to do this. Second, you need to do this. But I want to start even before that. I want to start with the problem. I mean, the people who are coming to you and the people who you met who want to start businesses, what are they struggling with? What are they feeling inside themselves that make them say, I can't do the corporate grind anymore. I've got to strike out on my own. How many of those people do you talk to and what are they feeling? Oh, well, there's definitely plenty. I, I think that in many ways, the biggest lure of entrepreneurship is just the autonomy that it affords. There's a, a saying, a well-known business saying that people never really leave their company, they leave their boss. And so, <laughs> so I think a lot of people, sometimes there's sort of a precipitating incident, maybe there's a management reshuffling or, or what have you. Yeah. And they realize, you know, once they have to be under someone that they don't really like, or they don't really respect, over time, it can be really demoralizing. And so the idea of being able with entrepreneurship to go out on your own, set your own hours and really kind of test yourself in the marketplace, be able to say, you know what, I'm putting myself out there and I am responsible for making this work. It's a pretty empowering place to be. Yeah, I think there's just some people out there who suspect that they can do more, that they could do this on their own. And it's an interesting paradigm shift. I was lucky enough to experience it really early. And so it doesn't seem foreign to me. But you talk to some people who work at companies and they don't realize they can start a company. You know, not one of those people who are wired that way. And the truth is, it's all in your book. If you understand how to do it, you just might make it and you might strike out. And so I encourage everybody who's thinking about starting a business to pick it up. But as much as that's the problem, we want to start a business and don't know how, I want to go through the three steps that you outline in this book, the three phases, if you will, of starting your own business. And the first is build your own brand, the why and how of establishing your brand. And you start by saying, become a trusted source. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So one of the most important elements before we even get started on monetization is building an audience that trusts you. I mean, we all can probably think of examples of things that you've seen on the internet 
where it's just obviously charlatans, you know, it's, it's the, Oh, you know, make $10,000 overnight and you know, all these overly hyped up claims. And so as a result of a lot of these people colonizing, especially the world of online entrepreneurship early on, I think that it's built up a lot of skepticism in people's minds where they say, you know what, it would be great to work for myself, but you know, a, I don't want to have to be like those people and B, I don't even really know who to believe about what's real, what could work. And so I think that something that's really essential if you are, in fact, looking to monetize your expertise online or off is showing over time through creating really high quality content that people can read and see for free so they can evaluate for themselves to show them that you make sense and that you are somebody that is a trustworthy source and a trusted advisor for them. We sometimes call it, and this is a crass way to say it, sort of peeing around your territory, you know, like a dog would to own like, I'm going to own this problem or the solution to this issue. I'm going to become the expert on this, you know, and it's just so important in the first phase of a business to say, I need to own some real estate in the subconscious of a group of customers. I'm going to be the person who hosts really beautiful events. I'm going to be, you know, the person who can get you a band for your event. I'm going to be the person who gets rid of weeds in your lawn or whatever, but you just have to be known for something. Is that the sort of thing that you're talking about, building your brand and becoming known for solving somebody's problem? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a key piece of it. And I think it's especially true in fields that are kind of overcrowded. You know, let's say you're a leadership consultant, right? Like, (laughs) first of all, what does that even mean? And second of all, oh my gosh, there's a lot of leadership consultants out there. And the truth is, it's not like there's new innovations in leadership on a regular basis. It's not like science where, you know, oh, I just invented this new form of leadership. It's a lot of people saying very similar things. And so it is essential for you, especially in a circumstance like that, to let people know how you see the world and how you are different. Because if you just say, oh, hey, I'm a leadership consultant and everybody else is too, you're going to blend in so fast and it's not going to be helpful. People won't be able to distinguish you and you then get forced into a commodity position. But if meanwhile, You've been putting out really intelligent content that shows how you see the world, how your perspective based on your professional experience or your life experience is just a little bit different. It gives people a reason to choose to work with you rather than somebody else. And that can mean the difference between being able to command premium prices and just fighting for the scraps. And you actually break this down into very real steps. It's not just, okay, build a brand. You actually say start with online content. So start with a blog, something like that. Then if you're able, write a book. Then start building a network and social proof that you know what you're doing. Maintain a connection with your audience somehow and build your email list. The book is probably the hardest thing that you're talking about right there. But everything else you can really do inside of about six months. I want to know, though, about the one thing that you say, maintain a connection with your audience. What are some practical tips for somebody who is building a brand to maintain a connection with their audience? Yeah. So in terms of maintaining a connection, essentially, it's really just a question of making sure that you understand and stay in touch with what your audience is actually after. And so there's a few ways of doing that. One, of course, is to, you know, especially in the early stages, but hopefully throughout, respond to your audience. You would be shocked at the number of people that very quickly feel like, oh, I'm too good for that, or oh, that's a waste of time, that's just one person. But if somebody takes the time to email you, it's very powerful and very meaningful for them if you write back. I mean, I can't even tell you 
you know, when people email me back off my email list that I have and I actually write the response, so often I'll get this message like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's a message from you and not like an assistant in the Philippines, you know, that makes an impression. And actually a large number of them I've discovered, I mean, this is not why I do it, but it was uh, pretty common for me during the launch period earlier this year for my recognized expert course, which is this $2,000 flagship online course that I do. A lot of folks who signed up, you know, I'd ask them, where did you hear about this? How did you get interested in the recognized expert course? And a lot of them said, well, you know what? Three years ago, I emailed you and you emailed back. And so ever since I've read all your stuff. I mean, it makes a big difference. It's huge. I remember when the book Tipping Point came out, I actually sent an email to Malcolm Gladwell and he emailed me back and I just couldn't believe it. I think it was as soon as the next day. I don't know if he does that anymore, but at the time he was still doing it. And I was a fan ever since. All right. Once we establish our brand and once we position ourselves as an expert and that we can solve our customers' problems, we got to do this tough thing. We got to, and this is part two of your three-step plan here, we have to start monetizing ourselves. We have to monetize our expertise. That's a hurdle for a lot of folks who are used to you know, kind of sitting in a cubicle or working for somebody else, not in the sales rep position, and money just seems to grow on trees around them, and they get a check in the mail and for doing this much work. They've never asked for money before in exchange for anything. What do you say to somebody that when you've just got to get them over that hurdle of saying you're going to have to charge for this, how do you get up the nerve, if you will, to do that? You know, one of my favorite anecdotes from Entrepreneurial U is when I spoke about this with a guy named Michael Bungay Stanier who runs a training program. He has a company called Box of Crayons, which trains corporate managers to be more effective coaches to their employees. He started out his career as an executive coach and then you know, later went on to found this company that trains managers to coach their own employees. And so when he was thinking back on his early days of actually having to quote figures and, and get paid for things, he recalled some advice that a friend of his gave him. And that was, your quote should be fear plus 10%. <laughs> you mean the point where you think you're charging too much and then add 10%? That's right. That's, That's awesome. Right. I love it. Because there's such a tendency early on for us to undervalue ourselves. Oh, you know, no it's just, kidding. It's so it's true. It's like, oh, I don't know. Would they pay $100? Uh, and because we know that, we need to actually strive to overcompensate in some ways. So fear mm. plus 10%. Dory, I completely agree. And I would say most of our clients that come through, I don't think they're charging enough. In fact, I'm amazed when they tell me what they're charging. I'm like, man, I would pay a lot more for what you're talking about than that. And what people don't realize is when they undercharge, they devalue what it is that they offer. I've told this story before, but we do a workshop here in town. Thousands of businesses have come through. And there's been, you know, a hundred or so friends, nonprofits who've contacted me and said, hey, I don't have the money. Can I come? 95 of those 100 loved it, you know, engaged just like everybody else. But the only people I've noticed who will be on their phones the whole time or walk out in the middle of a session or even sometimes take a long lunch and skip an hour, they're all people who got in for free. And I realized early on, if they don't pay, they don't value it. That's right. So it's a really great warning to our audience here. If you're not charging, they aren't valuing you and they won't talk about you and they probably won't appreciate the difference that you made in their lives. I couldn't be a bigger fan of that. Now, you actually talk about once you have the courage to monetize, specifically, if you want, you can become a coach or a consultant. How do you help somebody step into the identity of, no, I'm an expert in my field when they've never been a coach or consultant before? Yeah, it can be a cognitive challenge for people. In my first book, Reinventing You, 
I actually told the story about a guy named Warren Bennis, who some of your listeners may be familiar with. He died a couple of years ago, but for a long time, he was a very influential leadership professor in Southern California. Mm. You know, he was an older guy, of course, when he died, but uh, he used to tell a story about when he was a young kid, like 18 years old, and he got drafted for World War II. And he said that he always remembered the moment when he had, you know, basically just been this kid. And all of a sudden, he's expected to be leading other people into battle. And he said that basically the only thing that made it possible for him was wearing the uniform. Because when he put on the uniform, Mm. he felt like he was able to be a different person. And he wasn't, you know, the scared kid anymore. He, He was able to say, no, no, I'm a soldier. And that gave him the courage Ah, to find that within him. Oh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. And so I think in many ways, we have to do a kind of similar exercise for ourselves. Because, of course, you know, if one minute you've never coached anyone and then, you know, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I know enough to be a coach, that can be really disorienting. So I think that something that I would recommend for anybody who's looking to step into it is one thing that's really good to do early on is actually to coach a number of people for free you know, friends of yours, essentially for practice, like you let them know, like, hey, I haven't done this before. So this is kind of the beta test. But in exchange, the trade is that if they like it, if they feel like they benefited from it, they'll give you a referral and they'll give you testimonials. And those are things that can be really valuable to you over time as you learn the process. I'll be back with the rest of my conversation with Dory Clark in just a moment. Here we are at our favorite segment, Marketing Mythbusters with Kula Callahan. Kula in her Wonder Woman pose. What is today's marketing myth? Today's myth is this. You can assume people know how to do business with you. Well, of course you can assume, Kula. You just call <laughs> them. You give them some money. They give you a thing. You did business. That's not true. That oh, is come not on. true. All right. So let's talk really briefly about the Story Brand Framework. One of the elements of this framework is the plan. Right. A lot of businesses who think it's really simple for their customers to engage them and work with them. Don't give their customers a plan to follow and it's costing them. And this is why it's costing them. Think about your customers on the customer journey. So first Mm -hmm. they have that initial touch point with your brand. They learn about what you offer and how it can make their life better. Mm -hmm. But the purchasing decision is still pretty far down the road. Yeah, it's a big leap. It's a big leap. Because it's the first time they're going to put skin in the game. Right, it's a risk. That's a risk and a commitment. So if you don't give your customers a plan to follow that helps bridge that gap between where they are now and where you can take them, they aren't going to make that leap on their own. For instance, let me ask you this. Okay, so I'm selling cars online. I've got Mm -hmm. a used car dealership. I'm selling cars. And I'm saying, you know, come down, buy a car. It's pretty obvious. You come down, you buy a car. Right. How would I put a plan in there to increase the number of people who will come buy a car for me? Give me an example yeah. of what a plan might look like. It's basically the process that your mm-hmm. customers take to do business with you. So the first right. step would be come to our lot. Second step would be choose a car that fits in your price range. The third step would be drive away worry-free in your brand new. And it's that simple. It really is. It's obvious sort of that that is the process, but I guarantee you if that car lot puts that plan on their website, they sell more cars. They sell more cars because people understand that it isn't really hard and it's actually not that 
confusing to do business with them, to get from where they are now to where they want to be. Yeah, because I think customers make an excuse when it comes time to spend totally, money. Yes. And they'll say, yes. the excuse is almost always the same. Well, this is too complicated. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. But when you actually visually have a plan, mm-hmm. step one, come down, choose a car, step two, you know, whatever. Right. What it does to them is says, oh, you know, this isn't difficult. Yeah. This I is pretty this. easy. I can do this. Yeah. Right. There's a couple types of plan. There's the process plan. There's the agreement plan. We talk about these plans in our live workshop. But basically, you just want to break things down into steps. If you're a financial advisor, you want to say, hey, here's how you work with me. One, we meet and discuss your goals. Two, I give you a custom report, a strategy that you can implement going forward. Three, if you choose, we can execute the strategy. And I'll hold your hand for the rest of your life. The financial advisor who says that rather than, yeah, I'd love to meet with you about your retirement. Let's meet next Thursday. Bring your checkbook. Yeah. It's just too big of a gap. It's too big. They're not going to bring the checkbook. They're not going to meet with you. Right. So you got to show them how visually. I agree with you. Yes. (laughs) It seems to me that you always do. You're batting a thousand percent. (laughs) This is incredible. You are good at your job. (laughs) Kula, thanks again. If you want to get away and work on your marketing, come see us in Nashville, Tennessee. We do a marketing workshop. It's two days. You'll get away. By the time you leave, you'll have a crystal clear message. You'll have actual words and strategies that you can use on your website website to create a sales funnel. You can use it in sales scripts. You can basically overhaul your entire marketing program just after what you learn and get done in 48 hours. Come see us. Register at storybrand.com. I'm serious. Come see us in Nashville. Register at storybrand.com. Part of being a coach or a consultant, if you want to get out there, would be building a speaking practice. And, And again, you know, Dory's book goes step by step through how to build basically a coaching, consultant, speaking, intellectual expert kind of business. And you have the Clark's Law of Professional Speaking. You have a four-step path, if you will, on how this actually works. You want to share a little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, through hard-fought experience, I discovered what, as you mentioned, I have dubbed Clark's Law of Professional Speaking, which is step number one. That's when no one is interested in hearing you speak, period. <laughs> um, that, that happens a lot, unfortunately, yeah. uh, up front. Step number two is, okay, they're interested, but only if they can get you for free. Step three right. is when, okay, they're interested, but they only have eh, 500 bucks. And so can they get you for cheap? And then finally, finally, you get to step four, which is when they want you. And in fact, they want you so badly, they are willing to pay what you're worth. And so everyone in the world of professional speaking, unless you're coming at it suddenly because you're a celebrity and you say, oh, well, now I'll speak. But if you are a regular person, everybody starts at step one where people are just not interested and you have to incrementally work your way up to step four. Well, once you're there, once you're actually being paid to speak and people are paying for your time as a consultant, you know, we've gotten there. And this can be a 24-month or more process if you keep at it, uh, which isn't very long to build your own business of this sort. But once you get that, you want to extend your reach. This is part three. Extend your reach and impact online. Does that mean online courses and digital products? What do you mean when you say, and what a beautiful thing that we now can move around a publisher, move around a university system. We don't have to be a professor. We can actually bring our expertise to the public through our own laptop computers. How do you particularly leverage your platform online? Yeah, definitely. So this is something that is relatively recent and very powerful thanks to the incursion of the internet into our day-to-day lives over the past 20 years. What I see with a lot of 
professionals who are working, you know, particularly as professional service providers, whether, you know, they're coaches or consultants or have some sort of professional specialty, they typically came up in a model where they are providing time for dollars, essentially. You're doing their thing. And that's great. And some of them have been able to build very robust businesses. But the challenge, the shortcoming there is that the only way that they can make more money is to keep working harder and harder. And eventually you reach a break point because there's only so many hours you can work. And there are, you know, let's face it, there are finite limits to what a client actually will pay. So you bump up against that and you're just stuck. And I see all the time these very successful professionals that are just on the brink of burnout because they're working themselves so hard. I think that really the antidote for that, and this was something that in writing Entrepreneurial You, I know I wanted to explore for myself was how do you leverage yourself more? How do you stop trading time for dollars and instead build up more passive income that is you know, able to make money while you're doing something else? You're sleeping, you're at the beach, you're able to enjoy life a little bit more. And so that can take a lot of forms. It could involve, for instance, you know, making money off of a podcast or a blog. It could involve an online course that you're doing. That's something that I've really explored and done a lot with in the last couple of years. It could be an online membership community. It could be affiliate partnerships. Any of those things are you know, really good ways that you can be able to leverage your brand and your following. Well, and you just exponentially recreate yourself over and over. And then, of course, that leads to more consulting gigs. That leads to more speaking gigs. And then that turns into more online courses. And there is this sort of tipping point where you know, things begin to grow much quicker. It just takes a long time to get there. As you talk about this, this is no easy path. I mean, you probably, if you leave your job, there's a good chance you're going to put in more hours doing this than you ever did working for anybody else. Have you found that to be true? <laughs> Sadly, yes. I, <laughs> Except I you don't notice it because you like the work. That's the difference. Well, that's the thing. It's surely more hours overall, but it is so much more enjoyable because, first of all, you are setting the hours, and that is so powerful. I mean, it really means something in your life if you are able to do your grocery shopping at 10 o'clock in the morning when the store is empty rather than waiting in the lines. It means something if there's an event, you know, a friend is having a birthday party you really want to go to or, you know, a kid is having a sports game and you can just say, yeah, absolutely, I am there. And maybe it means that you're going to work a little bit on Saturday morning instead, but you have the ability to make the decisions about what is important to you. That's kind of priceless. Dory, you know, you've taken this path. You've actually written the books, given the speeches, created the online courses, created community. You've done everything that you said or you're instructing us to do in this book. I'm curious, what does your life look like? How did it look before you built your own business? And what does it look like now? Well, right before I launched my business in 2006, the job that I had before that was I was a nonprofit executive director. And sometimes people say, you know, oh, entrepreneurship so risky. And the, the truth was, it didn't feel risky to me at all because I was making so little as a nonprofit. <laughs> ED. I thought, you know what? Like, what's like, there to lose? Yeah, in my sleep, I am sure I could somehow make more money than this. That's awesome. And so it's also, in a lot of ways, a lot less existential stress because running the nonprofit, I had these employees and I was pretty much the only fundraiser. I mean, we had a board, of course, but it was not really a good fundraising board. So I had to 
carry a lot of the weight for that. And it was a, a real psychological responsibility. So being an entrepreneur has given me a lot of freedom in a lot of ways. But I've made a very conscious decision over the last few years to continue mitigating my risk by diversifying my income streams. And it's been a, a conscious choice. It really animated entrepreneurial you. So I now have eight different income streams that I've developed. I do consulting, executive coaching, writing books, some adjunct business school teaching for the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. I do paid keynote speaking. I have my online course, Recognized Expert, and a few other courses that I do. I do affiliate partnerships, and I recently started doing live uh, workshops and mastermind events. Oh, that is awesome. That's great. Dory, I think you've helped a lot of people in your book. Again, the book is Entrepreneurial You by Dory Clark. It's printed by Harvard Business Review Press. A wonderful book this is for anybody who wants to break out of the cubicle, take a little risk, and become a known expert in their field and create a little business around it. Dory, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the chance to talk with you. JJ, next week, you are going to love our guest. I do love her. Oh, so you know her? Yeah, I know You know Trisha? Trisha? Yeah. How do you know Trisha? I tell stories in backyard kind of situations, like backyard storytelling. Like kind of like the moth kind of thing? Yeah, and well, like that. And she's actually helping me get on the moth, like in the sense of she's like not helping me get on. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's helping me organize my story in a way so I can submit it to be on the moth. You are going to crush that. That is going to be really fun. Like that's how, I don't know if it'll happen or anything, but she's actually, I'm talking with her of like, how do you tell a story? in a way that gets on the moth. I, I see it in my head right now. Yeah. I'm telling the Missy Elliott fat Michael Jackson story. <laughs> the, the one you told on the podcast yeah. earlier? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's going to go big. Well, Trisha is a storyteller. She's a professional storyteller. There are not very many of those in the world, and she's really, really yeah. good at it. And we had a great conversation about the structure of story. So it's a little bit of a departure from business. We actually get into the story side of what we think about. But I'm convinced the more you study story, the more you study human psychology. The more you study human psychology, the more you study marketing. You know, you study everything about people and what motivates them. So I always learn something for my business when I study story. And more than that, she's just incredibly entertaining and very fun. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and listen to next week's conversation. I think you're going to love it. Here, let me tease you with just a little bit of my conversation with Trisha Rose Burt. I was just blown away how hungry people are for story, how hungry people are to hear other people's experiences. So I just, I felt, I mean, this is a heavy word. It feels sort of like a ministry when I'm telling my stories or stewarding other people with their stories, helping them find and tell their own stories. I mean, it's a vulnerable place to be. And for me, when I'm on stage telling a story, I had a, Catherine Burns is the artistic director of The Moth. She's brilliant. And she was rehearsing with me on a story one day. And, and you know, I was rushing through things, the parts that were hard. You know, I was rushing through them because I like it when people were laughing. And she said, Trisha, stop. You need to let those land. Let people lean into the silences. And when I say something that resonates or maybe more poignant and letting people take it in, honest to God, it props you up. I mean, you're on the stage. You can be propped up by the silence of these people listening to you. And those are really profound moments for me. Be sure to tune in again next week to hear the entire conversation. In fact, just go ahead and subscribe to the Building a Story Brand podcast 
wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or iTunes. Also, my new book, Building a Story Brand, is out. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble if you want to clarify your message so people pay attention. You definitely want the book. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.